0: Awesome. Maxwell got in a relationship while she was on the run. Like, I can't yeah. even get in a relationship. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, who, who's going, do you know what? Yeah, she might be involved in a bit of sex trafficking, but give her a shot. Imagine those those in the old days.
1: Her Hinge profile with the prompt, my biggest secret is <laughs> dot, dot, dot on it. Where do I start? Just a picture of her going, ooh, <laughs> ooh, being
0: a bit North like that. <laughs> This week, we are talking Ghislaine Maxwell and the case surrounding her. And uh, obviously, we've recently just seen the Netflix documentary come out uh, called Filthy Rich. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that, referencing that, as well as sort of generally uh, the the Ghislaine Maxwell uh, case in particular, because uh, she's a very interesting character, isn't she? She's got uh, a lot of connections and she had, she had a lot of connections and seemed to sort of find her way into high society uh, through connections to her dad and, and various other ways, didn't she?
1: Yeah, no, very interesting. Very interesting. Usually the traditionally topics around this discussion specifically in this uh, country focus on Prince Andrew, focus on Jeffrey Epstein, when in reality, uh, Maxwell is the person that made it all happen. The fixer, Mm -hmm. I think Epstein's pilot in his, he he testified as a witness. He said uh, Epstein was number one, but it was closely followed by Maxwell, who was his number two. And I think that that is kind of reminiscent of the fact that without her, none of this would have been possible, the Epstein case would not have been possible.
0: Yeah she was definitely the one that was making the links and the connections for him, the one that was sort of supporting him and sort of helping encourage this abuse happening and so it is, its is first of all really good that we've actually seen this come to a court because for a long time it didn't seem like that, like that was going to happen. We'll talk through how she managed to sort of evade that for a long time in the same way that Jeffrey Epstein did. First of all though, I wanted to get into who is she exactly uh, because we know that obviously she had a very famous dad Robert Maxwell mm-hmm. and I think he's a very interesting character as well in that he didn't seem to have a particularly healthy relationship towards women, um, didn't seem to be the nicest guy uh, and didn't seem to treat his wife particularly well, uh, but did have a very close relationship with his daughter. I mean, there was talks of him, uh, about him sort of flaunting her around at various events in the similar way that we've seen Donald Trump do with Ivanka, I think, at times (laughs) as well. It seemed like there was that sort of quite unusual relationship. Like I thought that was a bit bizarre in itself. Like, why is this sort of a dad sort of you can you can be proud of your your children your kids and everything, but flaunting a daughter is quite an interesting one. Like having her around your arm and stuff.
1: Yeah, I th- I think you can definitely be proud of your kids, but it's about why you're proud of them. If you're proud mm. of them because they're academically gifted or gifted in a particular field, then yeah, you know, maybe fair enough, definitely fair enough. But if you're proud of them and you you sexualize them in that sense and proud of their appearance and the way they they look, Donald Trump famously said about Ivanka. You use that that reference. Famously said, if uh, if she wasn't my daughter. I'd, I'd, did he say he'd sleep with her, something like that? Yeah,
0: maybe I'd be dating her, I think. Or maybe I'd be dating her, that's it.
1: So, obviously, not a normal thing to say, and you could say that Robert Maxwell, MP, newspaper baron, British, uh, had a similar relationship with Ghislaine, and I think that his attitude towards women and what he valued in Ghislaine meant that her perceptions of how she should be as a woman and how she would treat her fellow women were completely, completely skewed, probably from a very young age.
0: Yeah, it seems so, doesn't it? And you can see moments where that's kind of um, referenced in the documentary a little bit, but also it, it seems to be part of her character. That she was very cold, very numb towards these women, and you wonder if that was echoing the behaviour she saw of her father towards her mum. And he re- she really seemed to have um, an eagerness to try and please her dad as well, as we go and see later on, um, as she did with Epstein as well. Um, but her dad was definitely someone that was very strict. Um, I think there was something referenced in the documentary about him requiring all of his children at the end of the year, I think around Christmas dinner, to stand up and basically say what they were most proud of that they'd done that year. Huh. And if he wasn't happy with what they said, they'd get hit with the belt and they'd have to write an apology letter to him as well. And so it's like that's, when you're coming from that sort of house and that sort of mentality, and I get it was a different time perhaps as well, and you can factor that in, but even still... Like that seems a very sort of strict environment, quite a harsh environment to be in, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, even viewed through the prism of time, that's not normal. And this guy is obviously very rich. So owned, was it the Daily Mirror? I forget the specific. One of it was the Daily Mirror. So a big newspaper that was worth a lot. He's also an MP. MPs back in the 50s and 60s didn't really come from working class backgrounds, not even middle class backgrounds. Uh, House of Commons is obviously a very, very exclusive place. So this is a type of kind of high society that we're talking about. And she's mixing in these circles from a very, very young age, which I think is damaging. Anyway, I went to uni with a lot of people that went to those old boys' top old boys' schools, and I think it's probably the most damaging thing you could do to your child to send them away to like a boarding school. It wouldn't surprise me if Maxwell went there. I don't know where she was schooled, but probably, probably to have yeah. that home, to have that home environment as well is obviously very, very uh, pervasive. You know, in terms of your, your your personality, I think that's why we see a cold, calculating. Uh, kind of demeanor,
0: I think definitely that's that's got to have fed into her character for sure. and one thing I did want to quickly uh, talk about is how her um dad died because there's a lot of conspiracy around that. Um, Some people, um, I don't know whether you're aware of how he died, but basically he was on a big boat. He was on one of of his big boats, which I actually think was called Lady Ghislaine, I
1: think. Potentially. I think I've heard that somewhere, yeah.
0: Yeah, something like that. And he was on this big boat, and suddenly one day just happened to die and fall off the edge of the ship, apparently. Like, it seemed very sort of suspicious, and obviously he was a very wealthy guy. He'd taken a lot of money from the pension pot, uh, which caused a lot of um, problems. And there is some rumors that he was perhaps working with Israeli intelligence and he was an Israeli intelligence officer, as there are rumors regarding uh, Ghislaine and Jeffrey Epstein as well. And perhaps they were working with the CIA and Israeli intelligence. Um, But there is some rumors that um, he was essentially killed on that Mm. boat as opposed to falling off into the sea uh, it's quite difficult to know and quite difficult to decipher there but you do wonder if Ghislaine maybe had a bit of whiff of sort of suspicion about how her dad died because i imagine if he was on a big boat and if and if it was one of your parents you'd be like yeah but did they really fall into the sea I- was it that rough the sea? Like I don't know, why wouldn't they have been inside? Lots of sort of question marks around that, don't you know I mean?
1: Yeah, I think she probably went through a stage of denial that this could have actually, you know, happened in mm. the way that she was kind of spoon fed, maybe. But I think what's interesting is that in the aftermath of his, his death, obviously it comes out that he'd taken upwards of five hundred million from the pension pot of his you know, newspaper. Uh, for his own personal use. I mean, there's the motive for for suicide there, because, you know, if you get found out for that, you're getting locked up for embezzlement. So I don't know. I haven't looked in the conspiracies around that, but it's viable. He had a reason to commit suicide or whatever, you know, which is what some people do say. Elaine, obviously, heartbroken by it, but she now needs a man to fill this void, a very rich man, a very bombastic man, a very charismatic man who people seem to revolve around. And that's where Epstein comes into it, isn't
0: it, right? Yeah, she had daddy problems, for sure. Yeah, she and she needed someone <laughs> to fill that. And it was very much Epstein uh, yeah. who decided to play that role as uh, as sort of her protector, guardian, but also the person that would fund her as well. Like She needed to find a uh, rich guy, because it got to a point where she moves to New York, and she's actually struggling for money all of a sudden. I'm not yeah. really sure how that happens, because the dad was very rich. Perhaps they lost a lot of money along the way. I don't yeah. know. But... She found herself in New York with not a lot of money, which is not, it's not yeah. a great place to be with not a lot of money New York. It's very expensive. Yeah. So she needs to find somebody now to help finance the lifestyle that she wants to live.
1: Yeah, I think you've got to as well be mindful of the the, the circumstances in which she ends up in New York. She basically becomes a bit of a social pariah in on the London status scene mm-hmm. because of her father's activities. So kind of has to, as a last resort, end up in New York. I mean, it's not, ba- not a bad place to end up, is it? But she's turfed out to New York, basically, because she becomes, you know, persona persona non grata, that's this week's uh, Latin phrase, Uh, persona (laughs) non grata in, in, in London. And for somebody that is so status focused, that was born and raised in a family whose status was particularly high, very high status family, you would, she'd been socialized into valuing that. Suddenly she's without status, without money, and she's having to move away from London so she goes to New York and then gravitates towards a man with very similar characteristics to her father and that's where this kind of horrific tale begins.
0: Yeah it is because I think Jeffrey Epstein realises that she can do the things that he can't in the sense that she's very good at mingling with people and creating connections. Like she was just one of those sort of people who would go around events, go around parties, talk to lots of people. (laughs) And he wasn't so much into that, I don't think. Uh, And so I think it was just one of those sort of things where they fit together like a jigsaw. And it's like, well, you can do the things that I can't do and you can get me the things I want. And so that became they became like a, a double act in that sense really, didn't they? He had the money, had the
1: charm. But didn't wasn't really asked about you know putting out the sausage rolls or whatever. where she was she was well into it and you know very I imagine a very prim and proper and making sure everything is in its in its place. She she
0: gives off that kind of vibe. One of the reasons why she was never really picked out as somebody that was sort of like uh, an abuser was because she had this sort of um, this sort of veil of upper class sort of uh, prestige and was like very sort of prim and proper, like you say. Like she had that sort of about her, that sort of look even though she did like to do the sort of flirtatious jokes and that kind of thing when she mingled she still sort of kept that that image around her that she was sort of like a high society person, a socialite and that very much protected her, that image from what she was actually doing behind closed doors um, but, but I do think it was... For me, It's what's really interesting about her is that she was clearly a very calculated person in the way yeah. that she was mingling around these events. She would yeah. she would specifically target people before the event. She'd be like, right, so-and-so's going to this event. I'm going to go talk to this person, make a connection, make a link, get get talking to them in whatever way. And one of my favorite Ghislaine Maxwell stories is actually from one of these events. I think it was written about by Virginia Roberts in one of her books. Uh, she said she was speaking about Maxwell and she said she came back home one day really giddy like a schoolgirl uh, and t- was desperate to tell us a story because she'd basically gone down on George Clooney in a toilet at one of these events and I was like how mental is that how crazy the story is that like how does that even happen but it just shows you like she was targeting people and being flirtatious yeah. with them using her charisma her charm she wasn't afraid to make sexual jokes and these kind of things and was getting to these situations. And it's like, this is the caliber of people she was mingling with.
1: From my experience with people that are born and raised in backgrounds such as Ghislaine Maxwell, you have this kind of innate confidence in you Mm -hmm. that can only be developed through being born and raised in a certain way and becoming socialized from a very, very young age, in particular social circles. And she had that in spades and had that kind of air of, yeah, well, my dad was this guy, and I was born and raised in this country house or whatever, so I can just exude confidence. I think Epstein was very attractive to that. You do get Americans that like they marvel at the royal family from a distance because they love the regality of it, the status of it, the nobility of it, and whatnot, because they don't have that, because mm. their country was founded in the late 18th century. They don't have that kind of history. So I think that's why Epstein was very, very attracted to i think attracted is the it's the right word but in not the conventional sense because even friends even from the early 90s when they started dating realized that this wasn't a very normal relationship Mm -hmm. it's weird because they would show odd bits of affection be it a hand on the the shoulder or a peck on the cheek But massage well (laughs) i mean talking what's your love language (laughs) massage Physical touch, baby. (laughs) Physical touch. Just right there. Yeah, that's the spot. That's that's the spot. That's That's the spot. But yeah, even friends knew at the time that uh, this wasn't a normal arrangement. Uh, it wasn't a, an arrangement that would end up in them kind of you know getting married. It wasn't. There was something off about it.
0: It seemed like they were initially dating, and then it became more sort of friends. But then, sort of like there was a bit of a blurred lines kind of situation between the two. I think uh, sort of a grey area between the two. Friends with benefits, in a way. And he <laughs> was. They were both getting benefits out. of it, let's face it, um, because obviously he was needing her to supply him with. What it's claimed is, that, you know, he medically needed three orgasms a day. Apparently, that's yeah. Get your doctor's mat out. Get your the doctor's note out, Jeffrey. Prove the it. best doctor in the world said that, according to Galen Maxwell. I, I want him struck off. <laughs> or her, might be a her. Um, so I, I think for me, she was very much his supplier, and he needed her as much as she needed him, and it worked really well in that sense. Uh, to obviously horrific effects. Um, But yeah, it was very interesting that, you know, Maxwell obviously helped um, Epstein get in with high society and royalty, hence the connection to Prince Andrew, because she went to school, Prince Andrew, and they sort of reunited after a little bit of time, separated between the two of them. Um, But going back to some of the parties and events that were held, there's an interesting one in the documentary I'd not heard about that was mentioned. And it was this blindfold game that Ghislaine Maxwell came up with completely out of the spur of the moment, she just went went and got some scarves, go get the scarves, all right? And she goes and gets the scarves and starts blindfolding the guys and demanding that the the women take their clothes off and play a game of guess who the woman is by touching her breasts. (laughs) Now, to be honest with you, as a game, if everyone's consented to that, I think that's quite a fun game. If you're all adults, everyone's consented. It's quite funny, probably would never happen. But when it's Pressurizing people to do that game, <laughs> making people uncomfortable. And, and it then, changes the dynamic, doesn't it? Yeah, forcing the women to do that. And be, and the guys be like, yeah, let's fly by, mate. Come on, <laughs> the blindfold on. you get the blindfold on. <laughs> at what point yeah, do you no. suddenly do that at, at a party?
1: I've been at some weird parties, but I've never been at a party where that has been a, the proposition. It's a, it's, it's a far cry from your classic Ring of Fire mm. uh, that you play at a party. You know, you'd always play at a party. Very weird. And also interesting that as a woman, she's advocating for this, yeah. which I think her, her childhood does have a lot to answer for. And I'm not sure that there's such a medical condition out there that stipulates that the patient needs three orgasms a day. Mm-hmm. But of course, this would manifest itself in her having to supply three women a day. How would she do this? She would literally, from what I understand, from how I understand it, she would drive around, or get somebody to drive her around New York, looking for women on the street, striking yeah. up a conversation with women that she thought fit the type that were maybe that were well, definitely young. If they were one thing, they were young, attractive, probably vulnerable as well. Which I think is is you know as it's a,
0: it's a vocation, it's pretty shocking to hear it laid out. I mean, in those terms, one of her friends says in the documentary. Uh, he says something like, "Oh yeah, it was sort of a rumor that Jeffrey was into schoolgirls," and and he was and he was looking back on it in hindsight, and being like, "Yeah, I'm just not sure why we didn't think that was a big deal." <laughs> it's weird yeah. to think that about that in nowadays through the sort of prism of nowadays yeah, to yeah, then yeah. look back through the lens of of yesteryear and think that that was an acceptable thing once to some but people. It's,
1: it's interesting to me that types like this, you know, and in, in this documentary that we we we're referencing. You have Oxford contemporaries of Maxwell talking. You have investment bankers who often frequented their parties. You have Lady and Lord such and such who, you, uh, you know, no high nobility high moved in the same circles. You have a journalist that keeps on popping up. that had an affair with Boris Johnson, Petronella Wyatt. Uh, that might be libelous, but you know, <laughs> I don't think Boris is watching. Um, you know, you have all these people coming out. And for me, it was re-piecing it together because some of them say, I knew he liked them young, but I didn't realise it was illegally young, mm-hmm. which in some cases it was. And then you have some of them saying, "Oh, no, they were they were they were schoolgirls." Well, I'm sorry, but somebody must have known. Somebody yeah. from outside that inner sanctum must have known. Like, I'm not having this whole kind of. Well, I know they they had a, a thing for young people, but I didn't realise that they were below the the actual limit. Even if they didn't know the nitty gritty of how these women were being acquired, surely people that were at these parties that were privy to what was going on knew that it wasn't wasn't right in a legal
0: sense and in a moral sense and it was it was done with this sort of idea that well they're sort of they're here to massage him or they're you know, we're paying them for modeling or whatever it was like there was it was done under this sort of facade of something else and now yeah. oh, we'll pay you a couple of hundred quid and that was enough to get these girls in a car to do some massaging, which obviously led to other things, and it's just unbelievable. I think three girls a day was, or three orgasms a day was apparently what he required, and that therefore that needed three girls a day. Like how much effort that is going to be, and that's why they set up this almost like pyramid scheme of of sex trafficking eventually. Yeah. And the way that Maxwell talks about these girls, I mean, it's quoted in the documentary. Um, they are nothing; they are trash. Was her attitude yeah. towards the girls? I mean, particularly when I mean. On a very basic human level, that's not a very nice way to talk about people, but <laughs> you don't expect it from a, a woman as well, like talking about young yeah. women in, in particular. Like You think of more stereotypically men being misogynistic and talk about women like that. You don't necessarily think about it as, as like a woman doing that.
1: Yeah, it's a shame as well that she's become so Americanized after a few years in New York. She's saying trash and not rubbish. That's something I noted. That's what I got. That's all I got from this documentary. Mm, She's changed. She's she's changed. She's sold out to the Americans. um, But obviously they were providing her with what seems to be a conveyor belt of young women. But it just goes to show as well, if you think about it in a mathematical sense, the scale on which they were operating these crimes. Epstein, over 500 victims, they say that we know of. Uh, I think the documentary refers to him as a very prolific, like one of the most prolific sexual offenders of all time. Which Rivaling Savile. You've, you've, had, you've had some big ones out there, Savile being, you know, a rival, shall mm-hmm. we say. And I hope they're enjoying themselves down in hell. But it just goes to show how many people are out there and how much this air is. It's an arrogance. It's a hubris. It's a, we have this status. We, we live in this. We have these properties nobody will say a word nobody will come out and say a word because you're operating on a massive scale and you're thinking you know what i'm so confident that nobody will come forward that we can continue operating on this scale for a long period of time
0: well that's the thing it was that sort of bold way about them like she in in the documentary it, there's one story about one of the victims where she literally goes into a shop starts talking to some of the people in the shop orders something to the hotel then finds a way to lure this person to the hotel room and take whatever she's bought to the hotel room. And there's Jeffrey Epstein in the hotel room with Galay Maxwell and this young woman... J- uh, Jelaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein go into the bathroom, put on bathrobes,
1: costume change. Yeah,
0: the, the, quick switcheroo, and then they walk back out and start. The conversation changes entirely, becomes more sexual. They start kissing, and she's then trying to encourage this young woman who's coming to deliver some presumably clothes or something to the yeah. hotel room. And next minute, they abuse her and like obviously get her into this sort of these sexual acts and things. It's like how like completely outlandish is that? It's not as if they trapped her in that room and kept her for themselves. She no. then finds a reason to leave and goes off into the world again. And it's like yeah. this outlandish sort of, we can do whatever we want and no one's going to come for us.
1: It's The word is brazen. It's a very brazen nature to things where you, they're not thinking of the consequences because they believe in their hubris that there will be no consequences. You can't have somebody turn up at your door Create excuses to invite them and saying, "Oh, you're going to have to come up because the apartment's undergoing re- uh, renovations or whatever," which is the excuse they use. Similar excuses I heard of being deployed at, at uni, kind of like, you know, do you want to come back to my flat or oh, you know, there's nobody, there's nobody, in, the the door's broken or something. I'm going to have to let you in or something like that, and then you get them into the kitchen and then into the bedroom. Not, oh, not me. Really, to, mini, be, mini, get,
0: not yeah. me. Yeah, mini Epstein's and mini Max files floating around. It's, your, it's good to know that
1: we've got a we offer a degree in uh, Epstein Epsteinery. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like uh, it. from uh, from my experience is there. Uh, but yeah, this this employee that you're talking about as all well that visits the apartment. She's the one who uh, gets a new job. She's that freaked out by that experience as you would be. You know, Jeffrey Epstein in a bathrobe is enough to freak anybody out. Mm-hmm. So she gets another job at another. What's she do? She's a delivery, you a career kind of vibe. I, th- I think
0: stores. she works at a department store. I got the sort of impression of maybe sort of jewelry or clothing or something.
1: Yep. Yeah. Think Rowan Atkinson in Love
0: Actually. Exactly. Do
1: you like it gift wrapped?
0: Yep. And she gets
1: a job at another department store across New York and they find her, which is weird this, this shows you
0: though the the ability for them to track people down so yes. this is what i was trying to say like she's gone out there into the world like if you or i committed a crime as horrific as that and didn't have any morals and just went out and committed that crime we probably expect to be caught or we probably expect yeah. to have some repercussions and punishment they just had a free reign it seemed and i don't know whether they were specifically being protected because they were intelligence or whether people were just too scared by their status to bother Um, Trying to tell the police Or if they did tell the police The police didn't listen to them But in the situation that you said um, Like you say, she changed jobs She changed phone numbers Changed locations And Maxwell kept finding her She kept tracking her down Yeah, and this happened for three years Until finally she gave up Can you imagine that? Like, think back three, what what, what situation you are in three years ago in your life, pre-pandemic. <laughs> I mean, Imagine yeah, everything's no. happened at that time, and she's constantly still trying to get in contact with you, hunting you down.
1: Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's bizarre. It goes to show you the, the web that they operate with, the network of individuals that they had in New York. I don't know it's it was a worldwide thing, but specifically in New York, they knew people who knew people who knew everything, basically. Mm. You could track somebody down. To that I think Maxwell is obviously running out of ideas. If you're having to recycle women, it's obviously yeah. uh, losing her touch a bit. Wow. Uh, but it says a lot that this woman now feels free to come out and tell her story in a documentary. I feel that like that's good to say the mm. least, isn't it? I feel like we've got on top of this issue. Maxwell obviously on trial, and now these people who she's had to live with that for 10 15 years, she can now tell us her story and obviously feels very passionately about it, understandably. So
0: I think the interesting thing about um, Maxwell being able to track down these women is it sounds very similar to the way people talk about Jimmy Savile in the sense that he had lots of connections as well. I don't know if you remember the Louis Theroux documentary where he spent Louis Theroux spent some time with Jimmy Savile. There was one point where Louis Theroux just saw on Jimmy Savile's desk that he had just out on on the desk Louis Theroux's home address and phone number. And louie oh, was really? like, "How have you found that out? And he was like, yeah. I'm not going to I can't tell you. I've got people. I've got people like that, that kind of thing. And so maybe perhaps these people do have people that help them track them down, or there might be some situation going on there. But I think it's really interesting that that's um quite a clear similarity is that they have contacts and they are getting helped. Yeah. And this isn't just a single person doing this job by the sounds of it.
1: There are people out there that help facilitate. These activities that we don't know about, that mm-hmm. the authorities probably don't know about, unless Maxwell sings like a canary. But I don't think she will, you know, with the, the trial and, and being locked up and everything. Yeah. Uh, but some people thought that that might happen, but it, but it hasn't. This is why I don't believe when people come forward. I'm not talking about the people on the documentary specifically, but people like that that speak out after going. Yeah. Well, I was at this party and this party and this party, but I had no idea anything was going on. I knew we like young women, you know. I mm. don't buy that because to To operate a network of this size, you have the people at the top, Maxwell and Epstein, but you need facilitators as well, and you need those facilitators to stay quiet. So I don't, I don't buy this.
0: Yeah, you need people on the ground, don't you, working? But it's a big operation like this. Exactly. I get that Maxwell obviously had that book of just like all the phone records and like and she was taking notes, to like get so and so to speak to so and so and things. She was clearly doing a lot, but. I don't see how you can do it at that scale by yourself. And I think at one point actually does say in the documentary that she had recruited other women to recruit other women, And that's at a point where she takes a little bit more of a step back, supposedly, from from Jeffrey Epstein. Um, But the documentary also talks about a second victim, um, I think has been spoken about before in the Jeffrey Epstein documentary, uh, which is the one where Jeffrey Epstein basically flies um, this girl out to his ranch and she's then left isolated at the ranch and he abuses her and I think gets into bed with her, that kind of thing, gets her to massage him and all these kind of things. Uh, It's interesting that there was a clear sort of, this was clearly happening on a very frequent basis, this. This was something that was happening constantly, new women, new girls. And, you know, they were obviously abusing their power in order to be able to, to make this happen. But it was it's just the way in which this doesn't get picked up by anybody. I mean, this girl in particular, uh, I think, actually did get in contact with the police, but was just mm-hmm. repeatedly ignored. And it just yeah. makes you wonder, like, is this because? I mean, this is this is in the '90s here, so it's not as if it's like not not as if it's that long ago, but still, it is a slightly different time, obviously. But to think that you report something like that and the police wouldn't follow up with it or wouldn't take it seriously or would ignore it, just seems completely foreign to me. Like, I don't see how that could be the case. Whether Jeffrey Epstein was being protected, again, it sort of leads into those conspiracies, or were they just not taking these women or young girls seriously? It's weird, isn't it? What, what do you think about this? Do you think they well, were being protected?
1: Well, one thing we found out, I think well, I think it was the Epstein with Prince Andrew episode, was, is particularly the, the Palm Beach, beach house aspects of things down in Florida. It seemed to me, I don't know whether the, the law enforcement down there were protecting them because they were a, a, a intelligence agents or whether they were protecting them because they'd been paid off. Mm. But It seems to me that they were definite ways in which the police department and the Florida. i want to say attorney general the elected politician that's in charge of legal affairs in florida who later became a member of trump's cabinet alex mm-hmm. acosta had definitely how much can i can i say being paid off he, they, he wasn't doing his job properly to the best of his abilities and i think that owed certainly down to uh, epstein and maxwell's influence because there's a there's a paper trail of reports being filed and then hitting a dead end and it's mm-hmm. like if you're a police officer and your duty is to uphold the law. And you have multiple accounts from multiple women saying Jeffrey Epstein did this to me, he coerced me into his house, and, and, and did this to me, sexually to assaulted me. Then you would follow that up as somebody involved in law enforcement, wouldn't you? And they didn't. And it wouldn't surprise me if you then extrapolate that to from Florida to New Mexico, where the ranch was, to New York, where the penthouse was. That wouldn't surprise me at all because we've seen evidence of it happening in Florida.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely leaning towards they're either protected deliberately or they had, I think they might have had some information on some of these people as well. So it might mm. necessarily have been bribes, it could have been bribes. But I think, from what I hear, it sounded like they were running some sort of intelligence um I don't know intelligence uh, trade I guess you could call it where basically we hear about in Jeffrey Epstein's um mansion in New York there was cameras in the wall embedded into the walls of of every room yeah. and there were everyone was being filmed and I do wonder if they were deliberately finding dirt on people and trying to yeah. create dirt on people and using that compromise um, or compromise, as, as the Soviet Union um termed it because I think they were the first to originally come up with it it was compromise? Was what they called it. Yeah And uh, I I think that was perhaps what they were trading in as well a little bit. We've got this information on you sort of blackmailing people to sort of work in their favor.
1: And then using your influence to provide a supply, a flow of these young girls. You have quite an effective business model there, especially Mm -hmm. if you add in the compromise angle, because then you hold a sway over if somebody turns around who's privy to what's going on, who's in a position of power and say, actually, you know, this isn't right. And it's my job to prosecute. They can turn around and go. Well, actually, you might not want to do that because we've got this video of you, you know, engaging in this activity, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That is such an effective business model if you're wanting to get away with what they were wanting to get away with.
0: Yeah, and it seems that there's rumors that that's perhaps what they had with Prince Andrew. They had dirt on him, um, with obviously what supposedly happened with uh, Virginia Roberts. So uh, we all, we've all seen the, the famous picture, I think, uh, of his arm wrapped around her. And it does seem to be a big part of what they did was having intel on people, yeah, and that's why people yeah. say were they working for a government? Rumors that they were working for CIA and Israeli intelligence, and were um, trying to compromise people in high society uh, as part of their job. Uh, and perhaps their sort of side job, if you like, of of sex trafficking uh, was something they were allowed to get away with because of the position they were placed into. Lots of different theories around these, these kind of things. And it's different to know what's what's true. But I certainly think the compromising was a big part of their business model.
1: Definitely. I mean, they they found that when Epstein was locked up, they found evidence of, like you said, hidden cameras here. And I'm not sure whether they were working for the CIA and to, and to what end. I'm not sure. Well, I I think maybe Epstein was a man with particular desires that he wanted to use his power to satisfy, and then you know he gathers a network and then starts acting as a fixer. Maxwell and Epstein acts as a fixer to their elite friends and say, you know what, we've got the supply of young women. Ghislaine goes out driving and finds them and whatnot. Let's use this, and you can also use that to gather dirt on them for influence and to put to increase your hand. In relation to theirs, I think it's, it's definitely. I'm not sure about the, the intelligence, the CIA angle. I'm not sure on. I don't know. I haven't looked into but that.
0: Particularly, kind of particularly if you can supply them with women that or young girls that they think are of age and actually turn out not to be of age, then you've compromised them in that sense as well. Mm -hmm. Um, if you managed to get them to sleep with them and that kind of thing, because that was clearly things that were happening. I mean, Glenn Maxwell would actively encourage women at parties to go and sleep with high profile men and and do that kind of thing. Uh, And she was also getting, recruiting these young girls um, to encourage uh, massaging and sexual pleasure of men. I think it's really interesting that you hear in the documentary from a woman that I think is called Mary. She's not actually called Mary, but that's the name that was given to her, who was, I think, in the 20s at the time. And she was basically recruited to um, give uh, massages and pleasure men who, not not just Epstein, but CEOs and politicians. So they were really being used in this sort of um, trafficking circuit. They were essentially passed around all these different high-profile people. You can see a, a way in which they're probably just compromising high-profile people so that they can then make another chess move, which helps them out or protects them and that kind of thing. I think it's pretty much nailed on that that, that they were doing that. So to, to what degree, I'm not really sure. So some people imply also that Maxwell was the worst out of the two between her and Epstein, which I thought was interesting.
1: What, for sexual uh, assault?
0: Yeah, just in terms of the worst person, I think. Was, I think oh, like, the, what... the
1: atrocities of what, yeah. yeah. I would say, so. I mean, you've got to be a certain type of person to A, be involved in that, which is the mm-hmm. understatement of the... Uh, B, like I said, the way that she went about it, kind of uh, mechanistically approaching women systematically picking out ones that she thought Epstein would be able to take advantage of and would be in favour of taking advantage of. Being able to do that is is definitely... I struggle to see exactly what she was getting out of this herself. I don't know why she was doing this.
0: This is one of the things that was mentioned briefly in the documentary was this sort of idea that she was grooming these women to sort of empower herself by basically using those women to make those men happy which would then further her situation so it's sort of right. like trying to self empower by the sounds of it because she'd be the person that was basically making these men happy if she could supply them with women and it so that would therefore that her. empower herself yeah
1: and i suppose you have got the compromise angle as well but i just wonder how she ended up in that situation where she was wanting to do that you know what i mean like well, how mm. does one end up in it a situation where you know what you think you wake up one morning you think you know what today i'm going to get compromised on high profile individuals because i can
0: yeah i, can I do wonder that. how you go down that path whether it was exclusively for money for our own protection uh whether she didn't think there was anything wrong with it whether it's due to yeah. her early life it's really really tough to to know exactly what caused that mindset because that is quite a dark path to go down uh, when you're trying to sort of actually get other women abused essentially
1: yeah i mean she always had that kind of overly sexual overly flirtatious side to her some people they were at university where they she was a bit mysterious you know she would I suppose by virtue of the fact that she had a rich father she'd be able to jet here there everywhere type of stuff you know so she, she'd get back from two weeks in the Caribbean and nobody would have known that she'd have been there and those type of things but I mean it's it's one thing to kind of plant those seeds is another thing to watch them grow into a giant oak tree. You know, you can be mysterious, mm. but it doesn't mean that you have to commit crimes, federal crimes on a, a, such a scale, I suppose. So interesting.
0: Eventually, they did get found out. The police do find out. Um, And I think, I'm pretty sure this was early early 2000s, I think, at this point. And uh, basically, their whole pyramid scheme that was happening in Palm, Palm Beach and probably elsewhere was eventually found out by the police. And at this point, you expect them both to get arrested, but only Jeffrey Epstein gets arrested. And it was a pretty, they call it the sweetheart deal that he was given, which was essentially a year in prison where he was able to sort of freely leave and go wherever he wanted, pretty much. It wasn't really even prison. Uh, But somehow Glenn Maxwell comes away completely unscathed from this. She wasn't arrested. Was she protected, perhaps? Because, I mean, Jeffrey Epstein needed her to be uh, not arrested. Otherwise he was pretty much screwed because if she gets arrested, then she's got the power to be able to just say, Well, yeah, these are all the crimes that he's done. Go arrest him. He's the he's the worst guy here. He's actually committed these crimes. I'm just the facilitator. And she could have basically sort of dobbed him in. But somehow she got away with it and she wasn't even arrested or anything.
1: So that's part of why I think it's an absolute stitcher, because there's no way that somebody reports Epstein to the police and they you know they strick a deal with them so they know what's going on there's no way that they don't investigate that further because if we if we preface this podcast with this couldn't have happened without Ghislaine, she was the facilitator the fixer the procurer of women then how <laughs> does a, a, a police department that's investigating these crimes not pick up on her involvement which is why I think there's a stitch up here. How often do you have the police striking sweetheart deals with criminals? I think it's ridiculous and if this is happening in Palm Beach in Florida then there's no reason to think that it's not happening in New Mexico and in Mm. New York and maybe even on a global scale as well. It's just not feasible to me that the police would be that inept over and over and over
0: again. It just seemed very much a case of they wanted to get the case closed and just sort of, like, get it over and done with kind of thing. And the sort of... The pushback from uh, Acosta uh, was that, well, we just wanted to get get him uh, locked up for something. We just wanted to get something. And it's like... It's not really great, though. I mean, that's not justice when he's abused so many people. That's not justice is getting him for something a year. It's not not really sort of worthwhile, is it? Even if you're going to let him just freely leave the prison whenever he wants, which is essentially what they did.
1: I think he had dirt on somebody influential. On somebody mm. influential uh, had their hand on the shoulder of the police. You know, seemed like them, it. reminding them not to go at this full throttle. And I think the really really sad thing is the fact that this was probably I don't know at the time public knowledge and either nobody batted an eyelid at this or, or the police just didn't care because mm. the police come out of this looking like they're facilitating crime themselves because they are which is contrary to the purpose of the police so it, nobody comes out of this smelling like roses do they and I do think, well, except Alex Acosta who ended up in the U S cabinet, but um, it's a story for another time. So yeah, that's why I think it's not incompetence. It's a stitch up. It's a sweetheart deal and more. It's a, they knew what was going on and didn't want to go down that path.
0: It feels like if you were hanging around in Palm beach in those sort of circles, it feel felt like, Everyone sort of probably had an idea that something was going on because I mean, even oh, you yeah. were saying that that the neighbours were reporting, reportedly yeah. seeing young, these young girls being shipped in and out, and the police it's... were seeing them crossing the bridge and these kind of things. So this wasn't exactly like nobody knew. If you're in the area, in the neighbourhood, you probably knew. It's not like that that
1: one woman has come to the police and said, "I've been sexually assaulted by Jeffrey Epstein," and the police have gone, "Do you have any proof?" And she's gone, "Well, no, but it happened." You know, so when it when it when it comes to them trying to get Epstein on any charge possible, it, that doesn't really wash, does it? It doesn't really wash at all. But I think they had a lot of information on him. If you've got neighbours and women going to the police time and time again, the police knew exactly what was going on there. That's that interesting. And on the Palm Beach point, I found uh, Donald Trump's quote interesting, which he said after uh, Ghislaine um, got the court date. Said, "I wish her well." I've met her numerous times over the years, especially since I lived in Palm Beach, and I guess they lived in Palm Beach. I loved the way in that quote, he tries to distance himself from them. I've mm. been like, well, I guess they lived in Palm Beach, national knowledge. Even I know that. Never been to Palm Beach, never been to America. I know that. You lived in the same neighborhood as them, Donald. You've been photographed with them uh, multiple times, Donald. He knew fine well. Yep. You find well, correct, and so did uh, the Clintons. It's not a party political thing, mm. so did the Clintons. Maxwell was at Chelsea Clinton's
0: wedding, so of course, of course,
1: yeah. Used to so, close, very so close. So was Trump, so was Trump. What a bash! What a bash! <laughs> Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, and uh, Ghislaine Maxwell in one place is,
0: is quite the quite the occasion. That's a party i like to be at. <laughs> get me on the get dance floor there, there. <laughs> get me there. Oh, god, imagine that. Oh, imagine, imagine if you get on a table with all three of them. What a table. Um, That's my dream blunt rotation. (laughs) (laughs) In 2006, um, it then gets to a point where Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, off the back of the whole sort of Jeffrey Epstein being arrested, she then claims to be sort of phasing him out at this point, you know, which I I like that as a term. He's been arrested for like a pretty bad crime, albeit not being punished properly. And she's like, I'm not going to completely cut ties. I'm phasing him out. I'm just going to phase him out that over a period of time. We've got so much, you know, so many connections. We've just got to do it over a gradual period, haven't we? Just gradually phase him out with this guy who's been sleeping with kids. Like, it's not a great look, is it? Do you know what, no. what I mean? It's not a great look. You'd probably cut ties if you were innocent. But she I to. I would.
1: Speaking as me, I would. Speaking would as you? an upstanding individual in society, I would. I've cut people You've out. You changed the tune off camera. You were saying <laughs> different.
0: You were saying you go, girl. Cut- girl. I've cut,
1: <laughs> I've cut people out for less than that, so I think I definitely would.
0: Yeah, I mean, I she's... facing
1: out, facing out is such an interesting way to put it. It's like putting it as if he's some kind of old car model that they've stopped making yeah. now, and now we're just going to gradually slow down production. We're
0: we'll transitioning uh, to renewables. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a weird it is a weird way of talking about it but <laughs> you know she might be a horrific person but fair play to her she's bloody loyal she's bloody loyal and I, <laughs> I appreciate that she's stuck by him gradually gradually phasing out but you know stuck by him
1: she's a friend you'd want and more isn't she I suppose yeah, she gets things
0: done she gets
1: things done say what you want about Gilead Maxwell but she gets what she needs to do done she's a BFF
0: she I is think- an
1: effective operator
0: yeah, but she obviously claims to be phasing out, but it seems pretty apparent that, that she's not. She's on the phone a lot. She's sort of running operations from afar at this point, by the sounds of it. Mm. And uh, it's recruiting other people to basically do her job at a larger scale. Getting so lazy, it's all... if anything, retirement. Yeah, yeah. She's Beat up in front of the fire. She's transitioning into a different phase of life, I think. She's <laughs> gone, those days are behind me now. I'm going to have to in get... Twilight years. She yeah, know. I'm now middle-aged. I'm going to have to get some new girls to do my job. Okay, I'm losing my looks. Three women a day, probably on the, a bit much end of the scale. Busy. Um, I want to travel more, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I want to travel more now. I'm moving out of that period of my life.
1: I'm born in New York.
0: Leave the sex probably run out of women. Younger, younger women, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Let them do it. I'm going to hang <laughs> hang up my phone book. <laughs> Give it to the kids, man.
1: Give it to the kids. Come on. So like she's when, Fergie, much... when Fergie left, when Fergie left Man United, he'd been, at, he'd been at the top of his game for 20 years. He left on a high. Mm-hmm. They won the league title the last season. He was at Man
0: United. She wanted to leave on a high. She wanted to pass that. the baton on to a different woman to david noise um, exactly <laughs> to the david Morris of the sex trafficking world but she passed it on to multiple women basically and they were going into like university nightclubs i think or just nightclubs in general mm-hmm. and trying mm-hmm. to get women like to, to do massaging and to do like modeling and these kind of things so they were now embedding these sort of plants into nightclubs and bars yeah. and these kind of things to try and recruit all gotcha. women really really bad um and then the in the documentary, we hear from another victim, and I think her name is Sarah, and she talks about how um, she was one of these women that was recruited, and before she knew it, she was just on Epstein Island. Like, she just found herself on Epstein Island, having been recruited in one of these bars or nightclubs. And Maxwell, who she sort of seems to trust, um, was on this island with her and takes her to Jeffrey Epstein's room, where quite clearly she knew what was going to happen, Maxwell. And this woman was later raped in Jeffrey Epstein's room. Mm -hmm. So Maxwell's now facilitating this, and she knows fine well what's what's about to happen when she's taking these women into the lion's den, if you like. She knows fine well what's going to happen. And to think that that was going on, I mean, how cold and numb must you be to this abuse that that is the way that you're happy to just sort of behave and turn a blind eye to it and just pretend as' almost if like it's not going on. It's like, yeah, whatever. these women are sort of you know we can we can just throw them to the wolves kind of thing.
1: It's difficult for me to understand it, and I said it before so again, from this perspective of her being a woman specifically, and I think from her, you know, coming from the background that she comes from, being raised at the time that she's come from, that she was that men will have made unwanted advances on her. There's that statistic about women and unwanted sexual attention. More than half of them reported experiencing it. And it, to me, with her operating in the circles that she did, I think it's very likely that at these parties that she got attention from men that she wasn't interested in. So for an individual to experience that, even with the childhood background, and still facilitate it and have a front row seat is, is completely bizarre to me. I think if she hasn't been diagnosed as sociopathic, then she is, and I'm and I'm doing that. Woman involved a,
0: in sex trafficking as a sociopath. Breaking news.
1: Breaking news. I play it safe with my uh, <laughs> play it safe with my predictions. Like I was going say she was a
0: saint as well. I was. i was really. <laughs> I do think it's like interesting to think about the mentality she must have had in order to just go along with this. Very very bizarre. In 2011, uh, Virginia Roberts becomes the first person to publicly name uh, Maxwell. And I think this is uh, a really interesting turning point in 2011 uh, or seemingly a turning point because Virgin Roberts gets uh, recruited at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. Trump's, Trump's place. Hotel, golf place. Not, not Mar-a-Lago. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So she gets recruited there um, by, uh, I think, I assume, Galen Maxwell. So she then ends up in 2001 being taken to Prince Andrew, flown to London, that kind of thing. We see the famous picture. Um, but interestingly, ten years later, she then comes out and speaks out against Glenn Maxwell for pretty much the first time. She was pretty much the first person I think to have done that publicly. Mm. And you would have thought, well, here's the cards are going to come crashing down now. It's two thousand, you oh. know, two thousand eleven. That's not that long ago. Eleven years ago, right. she's been named as someone that's you know been involved in stra- sex trafficking. Like, surely that's it. Career done, job done, finished. You're over. Bye bye. No, no. Not, not not for Maxwell. Not for Maxwell. She pivots. Career change. I'm going to move on from the sex trafficking. I'm going to move on from that. I'm going to get into ocean conservation. I'm bloody passionate about that, having polluted the planet for God knows how many years. It's really you know, jessing stuff. off. She's now it's like to... when
1: they say Hitler was into art, when they try and personalise
0: him. Like he's a bad man, but he bloody knew art. He loved her. He could draw. I've got <laughs> He could draw.
1: It's like Savile and the Charity work all over again.
0: It's exactly like that. So she's using this fa- This uh, facade of philanthropy now to so sort of have a bit of a pr image switch up because this is in 2011 where she's named publicly uh, as someone by uh, by virginia roberts so then in 2012 she then forms this um terramar project this sort of ocean conservation so it's a really calculated thing once again it's like 2011 i'm named as you know someone involved in abuse 2012 let's set up a project let's let's do it for the ocean save the whales <laughs> Yeah, she bloody loves the whales. And then she goes on this sort of, she embarks in this sort of whole PR image switch up. And it's really really about repairing her image. And it works. She she does a TED talk. She talks at the UN. She's been really? allowed into these sort of situations. She, she's there in the, in the middle of the United Nations in 2014, like giving a big talk, speaking and everything like that to everyone, addressing the UN. And it's like, who's allowed that? How has that happened? Who's Is this... doing the background research here? Who's doing the background checks? This is 2014. I mean, this isn't like yeah. that many years ago here. What well, her, what are her connections in order to allow that to happen?
1: These allegations have been flying around for a while. When you think about the the first time that Epstein was arrested or, you know, in, in Florida with a sweetheart deal, that was 2006. When was the last time Prince Andrew was photographed with Jeffrey Epstein and or Ghislaine Maxwell? Because it was definitely after two thousand and six. It was that photo in yeah, the park in I New feel York.
0: like it was maybe two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I reckon.
1: Yeah. So, why is a member of our royal family so lax in judgment that he's flying out to New York specifically to? I think the the the, the story was I flew to New York to tell Jeffrey Epstein I didn't want to be friends with him anymore, and he mm-hmm. got photographed after all these. You know. But anybody that is over the age of five or six knows that that's you know probably. Not the case.
0: Well, sometimes he he has a tendency to be too honourable. You've got to remember that. What's your biggest weakness?
1: What's your biggest weakness? Uh, Work too hard.
0: Yeah, Yeah. work too hard. I try too much. Yeah. Bloody hell. I think the interesting thing with Galay Maxwell making this sort of pivot towards ocean conservation and really sort of embedding herself into that sort of philanthropy work and using it as a facade in the same way that Jimmy Savile did with his charity work. Um, Again, it sort of adds to this idea of, well, was that allowed to happen because she was an intelligence officer or was this allowed to happen because no one really properly uh, looks into it or really took notice or cared?
1: You're telling me that people people at the UN are organising a speech on, like, ocean kind of conservation and they're not googling the names of the people that that are speaking that surely they knew i I wonder
0: if there was a way of perhaps her being able to dismiss or discredit virginia Roberts' story and perhaps just say yeah she's lying she's not telling the truth or whether it just wasn't a particularly big news story back in 2011 because it was i think i can't remember how she necessarily came out and said it whether it was in a book or or what i'm not sure i mean
1: it was pretty me too but for as long as i can remember sexual assault has always been bad but yeah nothing seemed to to stick to her and when tony blair was prime minister they uh, nothing would stick to him no scandal would stick to him uh eventually it did but it didn't, and uh, they used to call him teflon tony because mm-hmm. nothing would stick to him nothing sticks to Teflon. Mm-hmm. so i propose we call galane maxwell gore-tex Galen. Mm-hmm. So Obviously, nothing sticks to gore-tex either that's what makes clothes waterproof so gore-tex Galen gets away with it again And that'll be the name of the podcast. (laughs) Not the most catchy, not the most catchy name, but it's got alliteration and that's all that matters.
0: I love that. Um, There's a story in the documentary about her and sort of her ocean conservation work that she was doing. And they were shooting a promo for this uh, Terramar project, this ocean conservation project. And... They basically had some sort of meeting about it, and they went to the bar afterwards with one of the camera guys. And apparently, she was just making some sort of very casual sexual remarks about herself, which this guy at the time thought was a bit unusual. And then she later said, um, "I'm the real life Lara Croft to him." That that was the quote that she gave to him in the sense that she travels around like she's always doing stuff. And I don't really know like how else she was comparing herself to Lara Croft, like as this sort of badass woman. I don't know. So, or an unusual comparison.
1: Yeah, I've never never played that particular game, but I'm pretty sure Lara Croft didn't get involved in trafficking women,
0: not officially. And then I don't think I got to that level. Yeah, and then the the promo the next day that they filmed was like on the beach and stuff. Apparently, it turned into more of a glamour shoot, (laughs) and so it was less about (laughs) ocean ocean conservation, and it just turned into her like on in high heels on the beach, just like taking sort of pictures like towards the camera of her like trying to look good and everything. It wasn't even that near (laughs) the sea. Like, she right. came came away from the sea, so it came about her at that point, like, to filming <laughs> sort of up-close videos and stuff, and, like, posing and that kind That's of awesome. thing. It was just ridiculous.
1: Can we get one with the sea in the background, Ghislaine? <laughs> the what? The what? Oh, you mean
0: the... Yeah, 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 yeah. This, about, this is about improving my image, remember? Forget yeah. the sea. Forget the sea. <laughs> so we should probably move on to the arrest, I think, is, is then what happens next, because... What then later happens is obviously Jeffrey Epstein gets arrested for very serious crimes. It gets taken more seriously. Then he dies. And then she goes on the run. Now, this for me is I remember this period of time very well where it was just not known where Ghale Maxwell was. Mm. There's rumors she was in Paris. There's rumors she was in Brazil, submarine perhaps. <laughs> Had she been taken to like Submarine some... would be perfect. Submarine, it, especially when uh, is... one of her
1: university contemporaries said, from day one, she came across, like, 18-year-old Ghislaine Maxwell came across like a Bond villain, a Bond <laughs> character from day one. It's only fitting that she would end up in a submarine.
0: On the but race. there was loads of rumours flying around, because I remember that period very, very well, when Jeffrey Epstein had been um, arrested and then killed himself or died or whatever you want to say. There was that period of where it was like, well, where's Ghislaine? Like, Where's Maxwell? Where is she? I
1: wonder where she could be.
0: <laughs> and it was heavily rumoured. It was heavily rumoured that she was in Paris and like on this specific street and that kind of thing. And maybe she moved around various different places. I don't know. Um, but eventually she was, um, her house got raided. She was found to be on, I think, in a ran- on a ranch in America, I think was when the house got raided. And it's found that there was tinfoil on a phone to like try and stop that from being tracked. And I do wonder... Does that like, work? Does that work? Is that an effective tactic? Does, does that work? I'm not sure. I'm not 100% it doesn't sure. Doesn't sound but... effective, does it, that, to be fair, to Ghislaine? i don't know maybe there's something in it i'm not 100 not sure that we need to look into that one perhaps but i, just, I get a wonder... burner phone. just get a burner phone exactly i wonder how nobody can know where she is like with all the surveillance we've got nowadays all the I tracking how, i wonder how nobody
1: knew what was going on before like, they sit on these documentaries and they go well oh, i don't know the full extent of it come on please yeah i mean how, facilitators
0: how, how could nobody know where she was on the planet she was in America. Yeah. She was in America. Like, she'd probably been traveling around a bit. Like, How can you not know roughly her location, see her on some sort of CCTV, a passport, perhaps being used, a bank card, something like that, a telephone? Like, If yeah. she could track down this woman from a store where she's moving to, you'd yeah. hope the authorities could find Maxwell, surely. seen uh,
1: Hunted on Channel 4, where mm-hmm. they use GDP, GDPR, the, the registration plates, bank card, something like that, some G something, G7. To track people down, bank card transactions, uh, sightings in public, and things like that. So obviously, I think if, if some if 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 the authorities want to find somebody, they usually usually can.
0: Find you would somebody. have thought so. And one thing also is that I read this, I think on Wikipedia somewhere, was that she had recruited former British military personnel as her personal security guards. So she was bringing, she had other people around her. It wasn't as if she was by herself on the run, you know I mean? Like escaping, like Ted Bundy style. Like yeah. she was, she had a group of people around her. She was apparently in a relationship with some like billionaire guy, obviously, had to be a billionaire. So <laughs> like she was clearly had people around her. She had her own security. And perhaps that's how she eventually got found out. Maybe one of them leaked it or something. I don't know. But it's interesting that it took them a long time to track her down and get her arrested. And when they eventually did, eventually did raid her home, uh, they they tried to, they, they obviously arrested her, and then she was denied bail six times as well, uh, yeah. which at least is one positive, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I just Googled it. Uh, I was to what you're saying about I was Googling it. It wasn't even a ranch that she was found. It was a family home
0: oh, in was New a family
1: Hampshire. Because like, that's how I remembered it, because there was a the whole big where is Ghislaine Maxwell thing, and then it was breaking news. I found Ghislaine Maxwell. She was at home, and I was like, oh, all that about?" <laughs> But the CIA... yeah, <laughs> Bing dong. I don't think I want... I don't want to know what's behind that door. You know, yeah. when it comes to Halloween, I think it'd be a trick every time and no treat. Mm. But basically, the CIA knew where she was for two or three months and they waited and waited. A bit like they, with Bin Laden. Mm. Yes. Waited and waited and waited. Should and have missed out her as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then they waited until she took the dog out for a walk. <laughs> I made the last <laughs> I made the last bit up, but the other bits were true. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing the the intel that they had. And if they knew... You know, two or three months that she was there, then uh, thank God they actually they actually went in. And it kind of disproves, isn't it the, the whole kind of CIA protecting her type thing if they were the ones
0: Perhaps, you know, CIA, although, FBI I guess you could say that aspect. by that point they'd got her they they'd got the full use out of her and she was like dispensable by that point. I guess you could say yeah, I
1: guess they they're pretty ruthless with that type of thing. I do wonder it's an interesting aspect to this story because I haven't come across this this angle. But uh, she, she could have been gathering. She could have been gathering intelligence of foreign politicians as well.
0: And that, that was the rumor with Maxwell as well. And that basically mm-hmm. he'd got got in himself into some. Uh, sorry, with, did I say Robert Maxwell? or just Maxwell. You said you just said Maxwell. Oh, sorry. That was the rumor with Robert Maxwell. Was that he was involved in intelligence, and that he basically got in with the wrong people, and then being killed on his boat. Um, and there was definitely definitely some rumors around that. So maybe there's some truth to it. Maybe there's not. I'm not really too sure. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting was that when she eventually got arrested and went to to trial, and they, they sort of go through the trial dates and all these kind of things in the documentary, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about, um, but her family all stuck by her at this point, and they yes. set up a website
1: mm-hmm. called
0: realgalane.com. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like uh, trying to make her image look better. It's like the real Ghislaine, this this is what she's really like. She's not the person you've been told about. Okay, all that other stuff. Yeah, she hung around with Jeffrey Epstein or whatever. Ignore that. Ignore that. Look at some nice pictures of her on this website. Uh, yeah, as she's on this beach in front of over.
1: this ocean that she's conser- is that word? conserving. <laughs> conserving? RealGhislaine.com now takes you to a Moroccan hotel website. Does it? Oh, yeah. someone's oh, bought, one minute, one minute. No, I spelled it wrong. I spelled that wrong. Classic you. Classic me. Real But yeah, no, it's interesting. And we've seen parallels with um, Bundy. We what, he made parallels... a website? No, <laughs> Realted.com. Yes. Uh, no, we saw parallels with Bundy and we saw parallels with um, Dharma, where you do get these weird aspects of society, be it family in Dharma's case, be it family and people that seem to fancy Ted Bundy, that they do when the court is unfolding and the facts become clear. Like we do these podcasts on these people, just these people, these are abhorrent cases, you know, in the extreme end of what humans are capable of, hence why it makes it interesting to discuss. But you do always get a strata of society that are like, nope, I'm going to take the, the opposite view because, you know, Ted Bundy was a bit of a looker. Or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I really sympathise with, with with Jeffrey Dahmer, because He's been through a lot, or whatever people Maxwell
0: got in a relationship while she was on the run Like, I can't yeah. even get in a relationship Like, do you know what I mean? like who, who's going, do you know what? Yeah, she might be involved in a bit of sex trafficking But give her a shot Imagine Those hinge, in the old days
1: Her Hinge profile with the prompt My biggest secret is dot, dot, dot goes, Where do I start? Just a picture of her going, ooh <laughs> Ooh, being a bit North Sea Like that <laughs> Do you like a naughty girl? Uh, I bet she's uh, she's definitely one to lie about her age on a dating profile. Definitely.
0: Well. Ten she's, years. she's one of those that just layers filters over her pictures. She's one of those <laughs> <like> middle-aged <laughs> nah, women nah, nah, that nah. you see just like really smooth nah. out the skin there. Uh, I'm not 43. Yeah,
1: so she, does, she, does, she goes out at least 10 years younger than she uh, than she actually
0: is. She's definitely. just one big blur, her profile <laughs> picture. That's what they do, isn't it? It turns it into one big blur.
1: <laughs> have you come across many middle-aged women on dating? That, are you speaking of not experience? Per, not, not personally, no. I've seen film- a few on Twitter. Get get the filters
0: on it. 18 to few, 24. A few middle-aged women there that, that try and make themselves yeah, look yeah. 26 again. It's just we know we know you're 48. Okay. Let we it know. go, Ghislaine. Let just it go. Let it go. Oh, the old days are over. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it goes to trial. It goes to trial. And it seemed like the trial were mainly focusing according to documentary on the sort of Victims' memories and accounts of the stories, um, on had they been manipulated into giving these accounts, had they been paid off, these kind of things. They're very much trying to victim blame these women and spin it around on them. Shocking, okay. they came shocking. up with well, yeah, it's a bit ironic coming from you. No, they victim came up, blaming is shocking. They came up with all these different ways of trying to discredit them and undermine them. The defense claimed, um, that Jelaine Maxwell was being used as a scapegoat because of what Jeffrey Epstein did. Which uh, they came up with this quote, which uh, I think the exact words I've got here, actually, ever since Eve tempted Adam with the apple, women were blamed for men's behavior, for men's bad behavior. And they're essentially trying to say that, you know, uh, don't don't blame Maxwell for the things that Jeffrey Epstein did for the crimes he committed. And they use this sort of biblical analogy to try and get that across. Ludicrous, really, because it's just plainly obvious she was heavily involved. Right. Yeah, right.
1: I've got to sympathise with the lawyers in this case. because I think if you're sitting at your desk on a Monday morning and, you know, your boss slaps down this paper on your desk and, you know, you've got to defend this, and you open it up and you see the true extent of what as Maxwell objectively did and how intimately she was involved. We've just spent an hour talking about how she was a facilitator in this, and, you know, we are the arbiters of this case in particular. Mm-hmm. We know a lot about it, and we say, yep, she was involved in it. Imagine having to argue against that. Imagine me sitting here, you know, with you now saying, would you be able to make a case that she wasn't involved in it or that she wasn't involved in it to the extent that she obviously was involved in it? It's a terrible, it's a thankless task. So, no wonder you're going to the Bible for that. What's and your source? Uh, Remember, the, the judge would be like, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you citing
0: from me? And he goes, The Bible, the Bible, the holy <laughs> the book. book. You may have heard of it. Take this as gospel. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's one of those things though where they are getting so desperate that they're coming up with loads of different ridiculous defenses. Yeah. So I mean, the claims that one of the victims, um, she was a dr- drug addict for ten years, therefore that must discredit her memory. So mm-hmm. the fact that she was a drug, a drug addict would impair her ability to remember things. They then went on mm-hmm. to say um, that th- they tried to use the diary of one of the sixteen-year-old victims, and whereby in the diary she basically said words to the effect of um she she said nice things about jeffrey epstein basically uh, in the diary and therefore they use this to basically say well epstein wasn't that bad and therefore maxwell wasn't that bad and it's like well oh, hang on a second this is you're scraping it uh, you're grasping at straws here because we know jeffrey epstein was bad that's that's taken as granted uh, yeah. it's taken as a given now because he's been convicted and we know about yeah. the crimes so you can't yeah. be like well the diary says that he wasn't that bad so it just doesn't work. Like you're really grasping at straws to then be basically like, well, yeah, that means Maxwell didn't do anything wrong. It's such an yeah. unusual way of looking at things.
1: You also can't say 20, 25, 30 people have helped build this case against Epstein, but one person says he's bad. It doesn't really. That's not how mm. the, that's not how juries or judges would operate or, or in balance, is it, really? But like I said, it is impossible, isn't it, to fight that that case, having to cite the Bible and obscure diary entries from a single Witness Who, by is. the way,
0: was a victim herself. She was actually yeah. against Ghislaine Maxwell. So they they managed to find a clip from her diary which basically implied that Jeffrey Epstein wasn't that bad kind of thing. It's like it's a 16-year-old. Like, why are we listening to the perspective of a 16-year-old? How do they get thing?
1: into a 16-year-old's diary? They're usually padlocked, aren't they?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the pink
1: glittery ones with mm. the like groovy girl on the front. Yeah, Heavily sealed
0: those. You can't get into them. Um, but <laughs> they came up with more, even more ridiculous things. Like, for example, one of the victims uh, was given cowboy boots by Ghelay Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein. She was taken to a shop near the ranch, bought cowboy boots. And it was claimed by the defence that, well, these cowboy cowboy boots are pretty well worn. So you can't quite quite clearly didn't dislike them that much because she worn the cowboy boots. And it's like, that's that's what you're resting this case on. The cowboy boots were worn. And she flipped it on her head and was basically like, "Well, I it was a way of owning that for me and overcoming that. That's why I warned them a lot." Very good, yeah, very good. That's not even the worst of it. The the last one which they came up with as an excuse was, um, it was referring to a victim that said Glenn Maxwell basically massaged her, giving her a massage and uh, giving her a massage specifically touching her boobs and that kind of thing. The defense came out and said, "Yeah, but it was only the side boob that you're describing there. She didn't touch the nipples," and it's like. But it's still sexual assault. It's still the breast. It's still like you can't just be like, but it wasn't the nipples though. You know, what's your cutoff point for where this sexual assault starts (laughs) and ends? Is it the nipple? Is it the side of the breast? Like, come on. Can you show me? Can
1: you show me? It got so ridiculous. It just You find it if you
0: were blindfolded and guess whose nipple
1: it was. yeah, Yeah. Ridiculous.
0: And then, obviously, at this point, um, it got to quite it, the the ending was quite an emotional ending, really, because you see, that obviously, uh, we we find out that Glenn Maxwell was found guilty of five of the six charges, including sex trafficking, and was sentenced to twenty years in prison. Um, obviously, they've they've appealed that as well. They have filed an appeal um, for twenty twenty three, I think. So this won't be the last that we hear of it. Uh, but it was quite an emotional ending, sort of seeing the women coming out of court and you know getting some closure on this, uh, which was quite nice. Uh, but I do wonder. How this then plays out in 2023, I can't see the appeal winning. I can't see that happening. But no. you just never know, like with the connection she's got, and could she pull something out of the bag late on? Could she, you know, find a way of of staying out of prison? Will she be killed? Will she escape jail? Like, you just don't know what's going to happen next year. It's going to be interesting to see what does happen. But I just, I can't see that appeal working. But you just never know. It would make a
1: make a mockery of the criminal justice system in America um, if she did. But then again. Uh, worse has happened before I think the more you look into this the more you realise that the criminal justice system in America doesn't work in the way that Americans think it does in terms of this is the land of the free the home of the brave, law and order Mm. things like that i'm thinking i think just look at just look at the law enforcement in florida for example in this particular case
0: i think the difference this time around is that the tides have turned in the sense that it's now so publicly well known and yeah. public opinion is so in one way that you would have thought that there'd be so much outrage at that appeal being uh, upheld for example that I just can't see that ever happening. But you just never know with Glenn Maxwell, do you? Like, he's just one of those, she, she's very slimy, slip, slippery. And she will sort of gets she's like out. Gore-Sex.
1: She is like Gore-Sex. She's exactly
0: like it. Um, but yeah, I think we can pretty much wrap up there with, I guess, sort of her being found guilty, being sentenced to 20 years. Um, any more that you want to say? Like, how got any theories to sort of wrap up about how she managed to stay protected for so long?
1: The the intelligence step is a step too far for me, just because I haven't looked into that specifically and I don't know whether it's commonplace for the CIA to have would they be in cahoots with somebody that is complicit in what is human trafficking and sexual assault? I don't know.
0: There's something to look into. Can I just jump in on this quickly? Gonna, yeah, um yeah. have you heard of uh Barry Seal? Who's Tom Cruise played him in a in a film? Oh, right. it <laughs> is it Barry Seal? I haven't know.
1: Barry, Seale, I don't know. Barry
0: Seal. Barry Seal was like a drugs trafficker, a drug smuggler, right. and he was working for the CIA. Like he was on their books, like provenly, like on their books as like a way of like getting uh, arms and drugs across uh, South America and from America and that kind of thing in the drugs trade. So he was actively being protected by the CIA. So they've certainly been known to have of dabbled in these sorts of acts, which I That's I true. guess adds some validity.
1: Yeah, to be fair as well, to add to that, I would say actually that it's well known that in the 1980s, the CIA would have operatives in majority black communities to funnel drugs in there and disperse drugs amongst those communities to perpetuate the subjugation of the black communities. So, and, and, you know, countless coups that they've initiated abroad in, in the American Caribbean stuff. and South America, yeah, yeah. When, when, you know, the government there was getting a bit too left-leaning for their liking. So it's not beyond the realms of, of possibility. And if the if the motive is to gather compromise on behalf of the CIA, then, yeah, so there's viable. The motive is definitely to to, to gather compromise for the CIA, for their own use, for their own kind of power, to, you know, to improve their own power relations. I don't know. But definitely an interesting, you know, there's grounds for to look into that even more, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think so. So I think for me, it seems like uh, a collection of sort of negligence by some people in the police force, as well as um, quite clearly some corruption above them, bribery, et cetera, that kind of thing. Yeah. As well as I think the intelligence was was very much keeping their head above water and keeping them on, on people's good sides until it was no longer favourable to do so. when the public found out more information, I think, is the yeah. take I That's have on
1: a, it. a very reasonable way of looking at it. I'm not sure whether negligence on the police part, because that suggests that it wasn't like on purpose, and that they may have been, you know, corrupt, uh, not corrupt, mm. in, incompetent in that sense. I don't know. It, it seems that they were definitely paid off, definitely corrupt people above them, definitely.
0: And I think on that note, we'll wrap things up here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Please hit the like button, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. See you later.